Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to week three of podcast on Fifth Ave. Julian Pelusi with Taylor Haas here. Big T. Uh, we're going to be talking about Big Z a little bit today. And um, I think we're going to have to dip into the Sabres jar, unfortunately, already. One of our people on Twitter, um, one of our followers on Twitter said, Julian needs a Sabres jar to remind <laughs> her that she is talking about the Penguins every week. So, um, but... It's, it's okay to dip in the Sabres jar right now because the Penguins came out with a preseason win last night, 3-1 uh, to one over Buffalo at home. Uh, Taylor, what have you – I want to talk about that game a lot, but also what have you been seeing out of Eric Carlson coming in here so far? Yeah, I mean, this was the first game that was really like a dress rehearsal. We've seen a couple of the NHL guys get in in the, in the earlier games. Um, they've played, but that was mostly like the Wolfsbury guys, the depth guys. Um, this one, it, it wasn't, it was definitely not like a, the full NHL lineup. There's still some guys in there that I wouldn't expect to see. Um, but it, like Eric Carlson, this was his debut. It was the debut for most of the NHL guys. Uh, kind of a quiet night for for Eric Carlson, I, I would say, in that game. But we saw glimpses of, I think, a, a fit and what he could be. Um, he played – he's listed as the second pairing with Marcus Pedersen. But it's really like a 1A, 1B situation. People get too hung up on the order. It, it could not matter less. <laughs> I know, like, Kyle Dubas said when – uh, like after the trade that, you know, he's like, we could have one of Chris Letang or Eric Carlson on the ice uh, for 50 minutes on a given night. So like, they're going to get pretty close to top line minutes, both of them um, when the season starts. And even in this game, five, like five on five ice time was pretty close to even, I think they're only maybe a minute apart. Uh, the, the Carlson Pedersen pairing, the, they weren't on the ice for a goal in either direction. Mm-hmm. Um, the I have like the on ice metrics in front of me. They're pretty good at five on five. Um, so when those guys were on the ice together at five on five, the Penguins controlled sixty four point one percent of all shot attempts, fifty eight percent of all unblocked shot attempts, and seventy three point eight percent of the expected goal share. So that's pretty good. So like a lot of that is. Carlson just getting shots there and um, leading the office offense, but like they were pretty solid on defense too. Um, mm-hmm. 
couple times maybe Carlson was out of position, lost his man. But um, the big thing with him, uh, just his ability to carry the puck out of the Penguins' end. Mike Sullivan called him and Chris Letang. They can be he called him like a one man breakout with the, the way they can, they can clear the right. puck out of their own end. Um, and that's something that, I mean, we saw from uh, Eric Carlson in San Jose last year. Um, the, his successful, like, zone exits, um, they're, like, advanced stats sites that, like, track that. They're called, like, micro stats. Um, mm-hmm. Of all defensemen um, in the league last year, he had the second um, highest success rate of controlled zone exits at 5-on-5. Five five. So... But it's, it's what it sounds like when you're trying to carry the puck out of your own end and doing it successfully. Um, he did it successfully 76.3% of the time. That's number That was number two in the league. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Behind only Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi had an insane like 93%. So he's in his own league. But um, I mean, that we, we saw flashes of that. It would have been nice to see him score, but we didn't. But um, interesting what we saw so far. And if you can remain productive defensively, then, I mean, gosh, you you have that <laughs> amazing one-two punch. And speaking of that one-two punch, uh, Latang and Graves, what are you liking about that pairing? Yeah, I, again, kind of a, a quiet night um, mm-hmm. from the two of them. The results, you know, like the shot attempts and all that were pretty even, around 50% um, when those guys were on the ice. Um they were on the ice for a goal four and a goal against the goal four was Ricardo Raquel's opening goal. The goal against was Tage Thompson. Um, yeah. One of the few like uh, actual talented like NHL stars, the Sabres dress that night. So um, yeah, I, that's still a work in progress too. I asked um, Graves about that after practice today and he said, you know, they're still like learning each other's tendencies because um, this was the first game for both of those guys too. But um yeah, that's it, it. Early impressions are good. I didn't see anything bad. Like it, it was just another quiet night for them. But um, it'll be interesting. They have you know a couple more preseason games left here. It'll be interesting to see how that progresses. And Big T, I was trying to be there with you last night. <laughs> really wanted to be there with you. As you see, I'm in a hotel room right now in Durham, so I am not going to be around the Penguins uh, as much this uh, off season or this season and. Uh, I'm going to be missing you. Um, I'm headed off to uh, South Bend, Indiana, covering Notre Dame football for the season. So I'm going to be catching up a lot of uh, ESPN Plus action and uh, trying to keep up with Big T here, man, because one of my neighbors stopped me today or uh, this week and was like, she is a savant. (laughs) 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 So we'll we'll be kind of doing the whole interview thing going on and – keeping up with, uh, you know, what Taylor's seeing at practice. So it stinks I'm not going to be there with you, but we'll keep this pod rolling. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, we, it's not like we ever recorded, like, in person together. <laughs> you know, you're just on Zoom, but, like, well, yeah, but it's not Zoom, but, like, just farther away. But Exactly. Uh, yeah. We're going to have well, some good interviews. Hi from Durham. I miss you. <laughs> we'll be right back uh talking more about the preseason and that bottom six uh we're gonna see how that's gonna shape out and kind of really just one guy in the balance well not one guy several guys for one spot left in the balance we'll be right back with podcast on fifth half 
podcast on Fifth Ave, Taylor Haas and Julianne Flusi here. And we're going to be joined by John Butchergrass from ESPN in just a little bit. Bucci Main is going to tell us um, a little bit about what he thinks. Uh, we were talking about Carlson a little bit there and um, the Latang and Graves pairing. And also how uh, the Penguins are going to handle the power play with having Carlson and Latang. And uh, I think what he had to say is pretty interesting. Uh, what do you say, Taylor? What do you think? Um, is the right move for them here. Yeah, so they're definitely going to start with both Latang um, and Carlson on that top pairing. Uh, I mean, they kind of have the option to do that. Uh, Jay Gensel's out, you know, probably five games to start the season, so there's mm-hmm. an opening. Uh, we might not see that all season, but yeah, what they're starting with, um, it's Latang and Carlson, um, Crosby Malkin, and then Ricardo Cal. That's what they did. Um, They've been doing that in practice the past couple of days, and then that's what they ran in the in the game against against the Sabers. Um, they only had three oppor- power play opportunities against the Sabers, and the one was abbreviated. It was only like thirty seconds. They didn't score. Um, Carlson, I, I asked him about the power play after, and he like wasn't happy with it, about it at all. Just like the chances they had, but I mean, just from watching it compared to how it looked last season, they're just so much more movement. Um, between all the guys on the ice, I, when the, the power play was streaky, maybe not even streaky, it was just bad a lot last year, g- given like the talent you have on the ice, um, like it shouldn't be that bad when, um, with right. the skill you have on that top unit. But when it was struggling, there was no movement. Um, and when there is movement, it allows guys to react, to use their instincts more. And then that's, when you get to see like the skill that Crosby has and Malkin and all that come out. Mm-hmm. So you need that movement. Carlson's really good at, at creating that just because of the um, rate with which he's able to get shots through to the net. Um, I don't have the numbers off the, the top of my head, but come the, on, Taylor. <laughs> I, I know I wrote about it. I'm not going to pull it up. It, but <laughs> um, it's on the site, DK Pittsburgh sports, my, my Carlson article. But the the rate with which he was getting shots through from the power play last year in San Jose, it's like crazy higher than what Latang was doing um, for the Penguins' top unit or even like Petrie on the second unit last year. Um, so if I mean if he can keep doing that, uh, and you figure he did, he really didn't have that much help with him in San Jose. San Jose was awful, um, and now he has like actual finishers with him on the top unit here. Um, it's just really interesting to see like what that what that can be. Um, but yeah, early impressions, I thought we were going to the power play. Just, I, we saw more movement in those like two and a half opportunities combined than we saw like all last season combined. And that's the biggest thing. So, and last night we saw, um, we're recording this on Friday, by the way. Uh, last night we saw, uh, Drew O'Connor make a very good case for himself in that bottom six. Um, but it's really interesting that bottom six um, heading into this regular season is pretty well rounded out, but kind of there's a battle for that last spot on the wing. Yeah. I mean, Dubas really overhauled the bottom six as much as, uh, as much as he could. I mean, Jeff Carter's still around. Um, mm-hmm. Drew O'Connor's really the only other um, returning guy. Of the regulars, Zero Connor, I thought was one of the few bright spots of the bottom six last year. Um, but I mean, yeah, you look what they have now, like the locks to make it. Um, mm-hmm. Carter, like I said, O'Connor, um, Eller, Achari, and Matt Nieto. Um, mm-hmm. 
the actual combinations, how, how those guys are going to work out. We, I, I don't know yet. We've seen different combinations. The centers are definitely, I think, going to be Eller and Achari. So we're not going to see Drew. I mean, we're not going to see Jeff Carter at center anymore. He's in the wing, which there's less skating involved. So for someone like him, um, could be less taxing physically, which could help him. And then, I mean, because he was third line center most of last season, he is skating on the fourth line wing. So it's like his role really could not be more diminished, um, which is, I mean, a good thing um, for for him right. given how last season went. But <laughs> like like you said, I mean, that that last spot um, is open. Maybe there's they're going to carry an extra forward too. So the kind of two spots open, one actually in the, in the lineup. And right. there's so many guys who are – kind of in consideration. Um, Redeem Zahorna, uh, Andreas Janssen, Vinny Hivistrza, Alex Nylander, Valtteri Pustinen, and Sam Poulian are the guys who are under contract. And then the PTO forwards and tryout guys, um, Austin Wagner and Colin White. It really could be, a, I mean, probably, I'm, I'm maybe not any one of them, but most of them. Um, Zahorna, I thought, really um, has started to stand out among that group. Mm-hmm. I mean, Zahorna, he's, he was in the Penguins organization for a couple of years. They lost him to waivers last training camp to Calgary. Um, so he, he, was, he was gone um, last year. But just seeing him now in camp compared to where he was before he, le- he, he left last year, it's like a totally different player. Um, I mean, he's, he's massive, right? He's like 6'6", six, six, I don't, I don't remember how much he weighs, but that's a big dude. Like, yeah, that's why he's, he's you, big Z. You don't want to get him angry on the ice. Yeah, sure. well, he's big Z. Um, big but, Z, I mean, which, yeah. um, should we just tell? We just got to tell. No, him. we're not talking about anyone. <laughs> 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 um, uh, big Z. So, being a big guy like that, conditioning, um, it's going to come a little harder to guys like that. And with him especially, you go back to his last full season in the Penguins organization, 2021, that training camp. He was, like, I, most people don't know this. They think he was just, like, not, con- like, he didn't work out hard over the offseason or something. He came into training camp sick. He didn't know what it was. Whatever it was, he didn't feel right for, like, three months. And then it, he had to work back to, like, just gain his conditioning and his energy. So really, his last full season in the Penguins organization, it was really just him playing catch-up. Mm-hmm. And that's why he kind of looked so bad conditioning-wise when we did see him. Now, he's he's had, like, a you know ample time since then. Totally normal, totally, sure. totally fine conditioning-wise. Um, I His hands, I feel like, are better, just like the goals we've been seeing him score. Um, and, I mean, the assists he had in the first preseason game, um, but then the goals in like the scrimmages too. Um, his attention to de- detail, like defensively, uh, he's actually you know I feel like when they signed him because he's he's 27 years old, he right. hasn't really played a lot in the NHL. I was like, okay, destined for Wilkes-Barre, but now watching him, I'm like he could be the guy that sticks around. Um, and then I after that, I think Alex Nylander um, is putting himself in a good spot too. Mm-hmm. We saw him come up, you know, NHL last season, um, played some of the bottom six, played some of the Malkin's wing. Um, I don't think I, – I don't know if he's, like, ready to be, like, a full-time 
NHLer, there's like concerns with his defensive game. And if you're going to put him in the bottom six, that's that kind of needs to be better. Um, Austin Wagner, the PTO guy, I think he's probably in the top maybe three in consideration right now for that for that that's spot. That's impressive. I mean, yeah, he could he could get a contract. Um, he just seems like a, a good fit there, like good two way forward. But then he actually has energy. Um, kind of physical um but then even like sam poolian he's another one that like coming into this camp i didn't think he'd really be a uh, an option coming out of camp to, to stick in the nhl just because he really didn't play last season in december um he left for um mental health reasons he took a personal leave he didn't come back until like late March, and then really then are just practicing with Wilkes-Barre. He only played two games um, in April to finish out the season. And by then it was like Wilkes-Barre's out of the playoffs and just letting him like get try to get back up to speed. But then like watching Poulin in the Prospects Challenge in like development camp um, in the preseason games he's played so far, there's like no indication that he's set back at all by not playing last year. Mm-hmm. Um and like talking to him to, you know, there's things he says, the things he needs to work on, it's just being more reliable with the puck, um, making smarter decisions, which is some, he's made a lot of strides since then. I mean, like when he was in Wolfsbury, his rookie year, he got healthy scratched um, like one weekend just because he was turning the puck over a lot. He's made a lot of progress in that regard. Probably not, he's not quite where they want him to be if he's going to stick around in the bottom six. But, I mean, other than that, like, it's his legs, his timing, everything is there. And I asked him, like, is there anything that you feel like you're still, like, just catch trying to catch up on from mm-hmm. missing time last year? And he's like, not really. He's like, yeah, I feel <laughs> he feels, like, good as ever. Um, and just about the things that was, was always um, an issue for him. I think maybe he comes up a little bit this season. And then we start looking at him as a long-term option the following season. Because he can play center. He can play wing. They prefer prefer him at center. I think I've talked about this every week. Then Jeff Carter's, like, contract is up this summer. Maybe Pooley steps in as a third or fourth line center. And that makes more sense, right? It makes more sense at that time. So if you had to guess right now, just from what you have seen and obviously we still have a good chunk of preseason left to play here but um what who are the two guys that the pens are going to carry on their roster those last two well um i would guess i would guess austin wagner gets a contract Mm -hmm. and then i'm gonna say one of nylander or zahorna and because you also figure there's going to be an opening in the top six to start just with jake gensel out nylander and zahorna can play in the top six so um, I don't know if, if it's like Nylander you keep around, maybe the way you start the season, you have Raquel and Rust on Sid's line. Cause that's how they've been. That's how they've been skating so far. You have Riley Smith on Malkin's wing and then Nylander on the other wing. Then when Jake comes back, Rust goes down to Malkin's wing. Jake comes back on his spot on Sid's wing. And then Nylander either goes into the, the bottom six where Wagner was, or he's the extra forward. Or you send them back to Wilkes-Barre and bring someone up as the, the extra forward. I think we're going to see a lot of movement in that kind of extra forward position throughout the season. Because if you're going to carry like a younger guy like that, um, 
you don't really want them sitting like the whole like but like I wouldn't keep cool and as the extra forward just because you, you want you he want playing time. Yeah, yeah you want him playing. Yeah. He's so, playing time. Yeah I'd I'd like I'd like to see that. I'd I'd, I'd like to see Zahorna get a shot too just because um he's been impressive to watch too. I yeah I would two of Wagner, Zahorna, um and Elander I think is gonna be my my pick right now. So that's what I would go with. Well, Big T, you have absolutely centered the line for us so far. Uh, I'm on one wing. We're going to have John Butchagross from ESPN coming up on the other wing uh, right after this break. Thanks for listening to podcasts on Fifth Ave. Back to podcast on Fifth Ave, Julianne Pelusi with Taylor Haas, and we have John Buchagross, Bucci Maine from ESPN joining us today. And uh, Booch, you're a Pittsburgh guy. You understand the Penguins uh, from start to finish, basically your entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. what what are you what are you thinking about these guys this season? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, you growing up in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I was born there, born downtown at Allegheny General Hospital, and uh, my dad was a, a, a Sears store manager, so we, you know, we, we moved about every eight years, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Steubenville, Ohio, and then up to Warren, Ohio for a couple years. So yeah, he was a Steeler season ticket holder, um, always grew up around Pittsburgh, local news, you know, watching Channel 2, 4, and 11, and, uh, and, and the, whole, on the whole thing. So yeah, I grew up a big Pirates, Steeler fan, and he was a Boston guy, so I actually grew up a Bruins fan and a Boston Celtics fan for the big four. And then slowly as I moved out of the area, I kind of have a nostalgia kind of took over. Now I kind of secretly root for the Penguins. Of course, I'm not supposed to root for anybody. Although now in our business, people seem to openly root for their teams. And when I, when I first started, that wasn't really a thing. You know, they, the, uh, the homerism was really only tied to maybe the play-by-play guy. There wasn't really outwardly rooting for your favorite team. So, yeah, the Civic Arena was the first time I saw an NHL game, and I snuck in there one time when I was 15 with my buddies, and and uh, and yeah, and, all, and then obviously when Mario came, everything changed. So, uh, and now of course the the latest chapter with Crosby and Malkin Latang, and now they uh and, and enter Eric Carlson as well. So yeah, I'm very bullish this year on the Penguins. Um, I think they're a team that could finish maybe fourth or fifth in the Eastern Conference, and um, it's going to be interesting. You know, you, you, to plug a player like that in there. It doesn't always work, but it's going to be really fun to watch from the get-go. Can between, you maybe well, tell us? Before, between oh, you and Kevin Ackland, you both have stories about sneaking into the city. <laughs> like, no, did anyone pay to get in there? Is that why the team had financial trouble? That's, How easy was it to sneak in? It was really easy. <laughs> what, what we did, we, we drove there from Steubenville, and my, my, uh, and my 96 Chevy Nova, and we, we bought it one scalper ticket. So we bought some scalper. And then we found the guy who I, I can't remember how if we were the we were pushing this or he pushed it on us or he was looking for a ticket. And we said, Well, we got one. He goes, Well, you give it to me and I'll get you in. So the Civic Arena had it had clear glass around the outside of the Civic Arena back in the day. So you could see inside when you were outside. So we watched him go in and he just started to make his way around the Civic Arena. He would look like this and go, you know, keep walking. So we'd keep walking. He's just looking for that chance where he found a door where no one would be watching, you know, whoever, an usher, a, a security guard or whatever. And he finally found one. So he opened up this door and the three of us 
me, Steve, and Gibby snuck in for a Penguin-Minnesota North Star game back in 1981. So, yeah, it was not difficult. And then the team went bankrupt. <laughs> and well, you've been why. sneaking in your entire life. So now you're sneaking your way into a uh, bigger role. Still, still, still go for free. <laughs> still sneaking in <laughs> a bigger role yeah. at ESPN lately With uh, when it comes to hockey. Um, how has that transition been with ABC and ESPN taking over hockey? And, uh, you know, you're traveling a lot, Booch, and uh, you're kind of – getting that experience of being with a hockey team at all times after you didn't have that for a long time when your passion's always been hockey. What's, uh, what's that been like? Yeah, it's been great. Obviously the NHL left ESPN in 2004 and then uh, came back there in in 2020. Well, that would have been 2022, right? Yeah. 2021. So yeah, 17 years it was away. So yeah, to be able to, I've worked there now for 27 years. It'll be 20, seven years next month and uh to be able to you know work at one place for a long time and then suddenly have this you know re-energized feeling of of having not only a sport that you're kind of associated with back and then you also get to do play-by-play i did do play-by-play the first time we had the nhl the nhl left and then i, I asked if i could do some college hockey um for a couple years i did that then i asked to do the frozen four and i've done 10 of those now called the last 10 national champions which has been awesome uh, maybe the highlight of my career to be able to do that and then um and then yeah and then we came back and this time I got to do uh play by play so that's my passion that's what I want to do and I was a little kid growing up around Pittsburgh I would turn the sound down on the TV and broadcast games at my tape recorder to practice and play DJ with two tape recorders playing music and do fake newscasts and you know make up imaginary baseball games and uh with sound effects whole nine innings like the whole thing I was like a almost had my own per- production class like I didn't even know it like I just thought I was a sports fan but looking back now I was really a TV production radio nerd you know I just liked all the details like if, if the pirates changed their graphics if they changed their camera angle by six degrees in three reverse stadium I would notice like oh there's something different there and I would listen to the music when they went to commercial break and I would watch the different graphics and stuff so I was always like looking back now it didn't really dawn on me until like the last five ten years is, is how much of a TV fan I was watching shows and watching David Letterman that was a big Letterman really liked you could tell he really liked his show segmented and and really produced he wanted to have constant content and bits that he could always turn to to produce a nice one-hour show five nights a week and um and that's how i kind of like my podcast too i listen to podcasts i like a nice tightly produced podcast with almost like a beginning middle and end and 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 they get to the point and they give you good information and and so i realized that growing up that i also was like not only just a sports fan who loves sports but also the whole production angle as well and so to be able to do play-by-play now do some studio stuff and um i wrote a hockey column for 15 years on espn.com so that was a blast as too so to be able to do everything at everything i dreamed of doing growing up i've been able to do at espn well, John, we got to know what is your prediction for the Pittsburgh Penguins this upcoming season with all that experience? Yeah, well, like I said, I'm bullish on them. I, I think that Kyle Dubas did a great job, you know, filling out the bottom six, giving them some depth. Obviously, they got to get goaltending. That's been the one issue. You just don't know for sure what you're going to get in net. And that's been going on for a while now, you know, even going back to their cups with Matt Murray and Mark Andre Fleury and Mark Andre Fleury and Matt Murray. 
And then, of course, you don't protect Marc-Andre Fleury. And then Matt Murray's career kind of goes sideways with injuries. And, and now it's like, is Trent Jari the guy? Is, is he a guy you can count on to win multiple playoff series? You know, that's what, that's what they want to know. But the roster is interesting, obviously. It's older, especially up top. But um, I like what Kyle Dubas did filling out the roster. And the Eric Carlson's, a, you know, it's a home run swing. You know, sometimes you strike out and sometimes you hit a home run. So we'll see if you had a year like he did last year, um, you know, Norris Trophy caliber, then it, it's obviously going to be a huge addition. Their defense was their weakness last year. One of their weaknesses, probably the biggest one. So they signed Ryan Graves. They're bringing Eric Carlson, you know, and they, the, the team is, and that's what veterans need, like a Malkin, Crosby, Latang. They need to be, they need some juice. They need some swing juice. And that's what Eric Carlson was. He was, he kind of electrified, I think, their probably resolve and their, it's hard to, Hockey, football, these are hard sports to play because they're so physical. You need a reason to go to the rink every day and, and a reason to put your body on the line. And I think those older guys have that now with what Kyle Dubas did. And just Kyle Dubas himself being there re-energized the team. You're a, you're a college hockey guy. Do you have any college hockey predictions? Who's going to win the national championship? Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. For a while there, you know, we had all these kind of Cinderella stories. Like since I started taking, since I became the voice of the, the voice of the frozen four. <laughs> the voice. Um, in 2012 in Pittsburgh, my first one, my, my first one was in Pittsburgh. That was really kind of cool how to happen. Uh, you know, Yale won. And then you, their first ever. Union won their first ever. Um, UMass won their first ever. Of course, then last year, Quinnipiac won their first ever. But I think we're now with NIL getting into college sports, like we know, and getting into college hockey, it seems like the old Blue Bloods are coming back again. You know, Minnesota's a force again. Uh, North Dakota's always good. Here comes Boston University after kind of, you know, they haven't uh, won a national championship in a long time now, well over 10 years. Boston College is suddenly that hot spot where the young kids are going back to BU and BC. So I just wonder if we're going we're gonna to get back, you know, with the Big Ten hockey and Michigan and Wisconsin and Penn State, those big brand names of college sports. They're going to start attracting more of these young kids. And with the NIL money, a little, little pocket change on the side, um, that, you could see those big schools coming back in vogue like they were for so long. Um, it, it kind of balanced out for a while. Now I wonder if it's going to be more compression like we see in football. How much are you able to keep uh, college hockey in your heart now that uh, ESPN has this NHL deal? Yeah, it's a little tougher, definitely. You know, I, I, you know, I do an opening night. The first game, the first hockey game of this season, is uh, Nashville at Tampa Bay. I'm doing that game with Ryan Callahan and Kevin Weeks. That's a cool hunter. Do opening day, kind of like opening day, you know, baseball, and have the first pitch of the first game. That's kind of cool. Um, to do that. And uh, so, yeah, so I've already started, you know, pre- you know, reading up on Nashville and Tampa Bay. And then when that game's over, boom, I have a game in Philadelphia the next week. So I do. But luckily with college hockey, most of the action's Friday and Saturday. So you, mm-hmm. it's just two days. You, and being in New England where I am, there's a lot of games on. I can catch some games. I can even go to a game once in a while, which is kind of cool. I can zip up to Boston. It's 15 minutes away. Watch BU play. They're going to have the first pick of the NHL draft next year. Um, on their team so I can go check him out in person. So that's really cool to be – and that's, college has really helped me now. You know, once we got back into hockey at ESPN, I go to the rink now calling games, like you said, um, being there at the rink. These guys walk in. They go, hey, Bucci, hey, Bucci. Like they already know who I am, the guys who went to college. They, they kind of grew up with me on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. You know, uh, Twitter kind of came around when they're, you know, when they're in middle school. And, and so they kind of grew up with the Bucci Overtime Challenge and college hockey and that stuff. So it's, it's given me a really nice connection with them 
they come over, their face lights up, they come over and say hi. It's, you know, and so it's, and now I, it's funny, you know, when I, when I first was in the business, you get kind of nervous around athletes. You guys know how it is. Some of them are short tempered or some of them, whatever, intimidating. And when we, when we first start out, a lot of them are older, right? First, they're older than us. Then they're the same age as us. And then, then we're, you know, we're a little older than them and you guys, you'll get there eventually. And now they're really my <laughs> sons. They're all my, they're all my son's age. You know, I, I look at, I feel up for, I look at Philip Forsberg. Most of them are younger than Brett, your oldest. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> what uh, so I'm saying. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm interviewing Philip Forsberg. He's got this big mustache. He got the hair. You know, he's this grizzled NHL veteran. I'm like, he's born the same year as Brett. Well, you know, there's nothing. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in control here. I'm in control of this interview. These, these are children. You're, you're mere children. So it's, uh, it's funny how that, that's kind of dawned on me, too. It's like, yeah, I. I, um, you know, these are just, these are looking, they're like all my kids. They're all my sons. I want them to do well. I want them to do so well. Um, speaking of children, Connor Bedard going to make his NHL debut against yeah. the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, what are you expecting out of that game? What are you expecting from Bedard? Uh, you know, adjusting to NHL life, adjusting to NHL schedule. And, uh, in that debut, uh, getting to see yeah. Sidney Crosby, goodness gracious. No, it's awesome that the NHL did that. You know, part of our triple header coverage, that's game two, Chicago mm -hmm. at Pittsburgh. And then our f game three is Vegas unveiling their banner. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be like Sidney Crosby. I don't think it'll be much of an adjustment for him. I think he's built to do this. He's been programmed to do this at a young age. He's got a lot of Crosby's intangibles of uh, work ethic and being programmed by his agents, not to say too much. Uh, occasionally, his humor will come out, get his personality come out. Um, but I think he'll be good right from the get-go. I think he'll score a goal on opening night. He already has one of the best shots in the NHL, one of the best releases, wrist shot, snap shot. It's, it's sick. What he, him, and, him and Austin Matthews are kind of like wizardry with what they can do with the stick, tuck it in their feet and, and get so much on it and so, change, you know, change these angles on these goalies, shoot from impossible positions, no matter which way they're striding. It's just He's a freak. And um, I think he'll score an opening night in Pittsburgh for his first goal against Sidney Crosby. I think he's that kind of athlete who would do something like that. And um, I'm looking forward to that. And the next night, he's here in Boston. So back-to-back, -back, he goes he goes black and gold back-to-back -back nights to start his career, Connor Bedard, in Pittsburgh and in Boston. So both national TV games. That's TNT's first game the next night um, as well. So uh, a great first week for the league to put Connor Bedard up right here on a silver platter for everyone to see. We, uh, we have your prediction on the Penguins. Just what's your Stanley Cup prediction? I know it's not going to be the Pittsburgh Penguins, but who, who do you think yeah, is going to <laughs> yeah, not quite. Uh, but I, I, I think the Penguins, like I said, I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they could be a four or five and they have a real a good chance to win a round. Um, the East is pretty open. You know, once you win that first round, that's what's cool about the playoffs. You win the first round and everybody thinks they could win the cup, right? Because you go from mm -hmm. 16 teams to eight. Then you start realizing, then you start looking at your path. Like, okay, man, we could, we're right there. We have 12 more wins. Like we can do this, you know, that's what's cool. So I think the Penguins might be one of those teams in that position that wins their opening round and then suddenly figures, Ooh, how, how, how can we win this cup? That team got upset in the first round and we just got to get by them. And, but uh, yeah, I did, I was in Vegas this summer and I might've put a little bit of, a little bit of pocket change on the Colorado no, avalanche to buy, 
just a little bit, maybe. <laughs> and um, on the on, on the Colorado Avalanche, I was there. I was at Circa Pool. You know, I had a couple. So you know, I was thinking, you know, why not put it down? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's so stupid of you. So stupid of you. <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah, so so I, so I got something to watch. But I think the Avalanche bouncing back. Of course, they won the cup last year. They get killed by the Landeskog injury. Looks like he's hurt again, but if they can somehow get him back, they refigured their team kind of like the Penguins. They made some interesting deals in the bottom six and taking taking a swing at Ryan Johansson, you know, and and um, Jonathan Drouin as well. So, you know, a guy who hasn't quite popped yet in the NHL, but a, a running mate of uh, Nathan McKinnon back in the day. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go back to the uh, avalanche with McCarr, McKinnon, Miko Rantanen's an absolute future Hall of Famer star that a lot of people don't realize that he's actually going to be a Hall of Famer. He's that good and still young. So, yeah, I'm, I'll go back with the Avs. The East is wide open. Though. The East is fun. That's why like, the Penguins literally could make the Stanley Cup final this year because the Eastern Conference really is wide open. You know, New Jersey could be there. The Rangers could maybe get career years out of some people and their goalie could get them there. Um, so I really do think the East – is anywhere from six, seven, eight teams could actually make the final. Or in the West, I think it's pretty much just Colorado, Edmonton, or Vegas again. Mm-hmm. And you touched on Carlson uh, earlier in the podcast, but uh, gosh, with him coming in, what do you think that is sexy about him with the Penguins? And uh, yeah. what do you think can work? Because they're not getting any younger with that move. No, for sure. No, uh, he's a Hall of Famer, obviously, one of the best offensive defensemen of all time in the NHL. Um, so that's exciting. That's sexy. Um, great head of hair, you know, handsome guy, um, <laughs> sw- sw- Swede, sexy Swede. Um, but you know, he's not the greatest defensive guy in the world. Um, you know, like you said, older, the power play is going to be interesting. I, I just wonder, is anybody going to shoot or are they just going to pass it around for two minutes and they're going to play Harlem Globetrotter music, you know, because <laughs> it, it'll look real pretty, but I, I just wonder with, if, if they're going to put Latang and him, and it looks like they're going to try that. You know, Mike Sullivan's no dummy. He's the reason why he's a good coach. He's not going to sit Eric Latang uh, uh, you know, right off the bat at, with, you know, before Carlson plays the game. Sorry, uh, you, you know, you're, you're on the second unit, um, Chris. So that's not going to work. So he'll try them both at the same time at first. But again, Sid likes to pass the puck, obviously. Gino is shooting less. I wish he'd shoot more. Um, so obviously Gensel's out to start the year. He'll be the guy who roams around the net. He'll, he'll clean up with Eric Carlson. I mean, I always say that you know, people like Sidney Crosby make people rich. Like, you know, Jake Gensel has a bigger house because he got to play with Sidney Crosby young in his career, <laughs> score goals and create and, and then create his market. So Joe Thornton, Sidney Crosby, they make line mates rich. They get them bigger houses than they, than they would have had. Now Gensel's going to see uh, going to see Eric Carlson come in and just I think his power play numbers could be off the charts this year, Jake Gensel, once he gets back and if he can stay healthy. But just trying to figure out who could be a shooter. I mean, maybe Latang will shoot the one time or more, you know, with the right hand shot, and maybe Gino. Maybe they'll realize when that pass comes over to you in the top of the circle, shoot it. You know, we have Crosby down low for a rebound, Gensel down there for tips. But at some point, they got to shoot. But no, Eric Carlson, like I said, he injects excitement into the whole operation, especially for the veterans, because they want to play with older, experienced, smart players who, who are going to make them better. And, and Eric Carlson makes people better. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about Jari a little bit before. Were you surprised um, that, I guess, the Penguins didn't go out and get a number one goalie? I feel like, I think Julian and I talked about that before. It seems like there just weren't any options out there. Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff out there, but yeah, you're right. I, 
it, it seems like we've been down this road before, right? We've driven this car enough. It's time for a new car. Uh, we know what it, what it looks like. So, you know, sometimes it's just whether it's a relationship or whether it's a goal. Sometimes it just runs its course, right? And it seemed like that Jari kind of ran its course, but they re-upped. You know, they, they, they kind of go back. They got, I guess they like his skill, his age, his market. And like you said, it's, you got, you've got to have a goalie. And if there was no path to get one, you know, obviously Connor, uh, Connor Hallebach is a guy who's going to be a UFA. It could be a huge market for him if he decides not to sign in Winnipeg, tells Winnipeg, I'm not going to sign an extension, so you better trade me soon or by the deadline, which will happen. You know, that guy, that guy is a franchise-altering goalie. You know, so New Jersey really feels like, God, we still don't have a goalie, but if we get this guy, we can win the cup because that New Jersey's that kind of team. They're good enough now. If they have a goalie, they can win a cup. Right. And there's, and those are, those teams are, there's a lot of those teams like the Panthers and the Maple Leafs and, you know, and the Devils, the Penguins are, you know, are they that team? If they were to get Connor Hellebuck, would they suddenly then, could they win a cup with that kind of big time goalie? And that's, I'm sure what they talk about and what they, and what they maybe they already talked about over the summer. And, um, but yeah, that, that's, so that will be obviously a, a point that we must look at and examine. And especially if he gets hurt again, then is the backup good enough? just to make the playoffs. So it's, it's the biggest question on the team. Yeah. It's wrap up. Oh, go ahead, Tay. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's hard. You don't really know what you have in, in a because it felt like he, you know, he was on Carolina. He looked pretty good, but I think like a lot of goalies look at on Carolina. Then he's coming from Detroit where yeah. a lot of goalies look pretty, pretty bad. I mean, Detroit, bad. that's, that's yeah. where my pick where Hellebuck ends up. To kind of wrap up with. They do have a young goalie in this, in the system. So we'll see if that happens. Yep. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I'm just buttoning right here. <laughs> so to kind of wrap up with the Penguins, what are like three keys that you see for the season that they can be a cup contender in three places that you see that they're lacking? Uh, kind of putting you know, on the spot there. But uh, yeah, no, that's, no, obviously, we'll start with the goalie. That's where it starts. You know, is he going to mm -hmm. be an upper echelon top 10 safe percentage goalie? You know, number two is the power play. I think if the power play cooks kind of like Edmonton, um, you know, they're not, obviously they're not quite built like Edmonton with dry son and McDavid. Nobody is, but to have a power play that can really cook, um, and then just take care of business five on five, you know, obviously Edmonton almost relies too much on it. So you can't rely too much on a power play. You'll make the playoffs that way, but then when you get in the playoffs, they call fewer stuff. And, and then eventually you'll probably won't be a, a playoff team with legs once you get there. Um, so certainly it's the goaltending. It's, you know, it, it's the power play, I think number two. And, and that incorporates the Carlson factor. And then number three is just staying healthy, right? They're an older team. Uh, depth is an issue. If Crosby were to have a long-term injury or Malkin, they both escaped it last year. Malkin actually almost played every game last year. That was rare for him. You know, what mm -hmm. if his knee acts up again? Um, you know, they already start the year without Gensel. So, uh, so it, you know, like injuries for the older guys would be the biggest key. And terms lacking, you know, again, do they have – a, a pure goal scorer, you know, do they still have enough of those when they go up against a Toronto and a Tampa Bay and some of these really good teams? Um, you know, is, is someone going to surprise and, and score goals? Well, you know, because as guys get older, they, their goal scoring tends to go down just a little bit. Even Crosby's and, and Malkin, you expect it just to go down, not scoring 40, 50 goals anymore. So someone's got to, you know, got to pick that up. The bottom six uh, is, still a, is still a question. You know, Kyle Dubas really worked on that. and He, he focused on that and it looks better on paper. So, so we'll see. And I, I think, and I think the last question too, it is kind of interesting to me, just what is Mike Sullivan's long-term plan in Pittsburgh? You know, new ownership, now a new you know, guy in charge and Kyle Dubas, obviously he's a championship winning coach, two Stanley Cups, he'd get a job the next day. Um, but is he a guy who's invigorated for whatever 
this path is the Penguins are on because they were in a position where they could have torn it down, trade everybody and stink again and win lotteries and have that eight-year rebuild like we see Detroit trying to do and Buffalo trying to do. That's hard, though. I mean, look how mm-hmm. long it's been for Buffalo and Detroit. So to me, it's Sullivan. That, that's the question was, you know, is his energy, is his voice heard in the room and the organization? It seems like he's got a lot of power for players, which is good. And then uh, to see how long that lasts. So it's going to be, it's a, it's a fun team to cover for you guys because there are so many interesting questions and mysteries and, and great players and great, and a great coach and an interesting GM, right? The most, the most ex, you know, exciting GM in the sport because he came from Toronto so young and the analytic factor mm-hmm. and everything. So it's a, the Penguins got some, the Penguins got a lot of juice. It's exciting. And uh, maybe that's why I think they're going to do well, just because they're just, they're, there's so much juice around them. That doesn't always translate as we know. So maybe I'm a little rose colored glasses, with just all the fun stuff they've done and they've kind of reinvigorated the team, but I still think it's going to translate into more wins. Well, John, uh, Kyle Dubas, not young enough to be one of your sons. Just so no, you know. not quite. <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being with us and giving you, uh, giving us your penguins analysis. John Boudreaux, so great to have you. Thank you, uh, for being with us on podcast Thank on you. Fifth Ave. Big fans of the pod. Keep it up, bro. <laughs>